a nice open source alternative to Google Hangouts, Jangouts. Did you know about? You know? Did you know there's an open source alternative? Here's the thing. To All right, Hangouts? hold on. Before you look it up, hold on. Stop. Here's my prediction. Okay, it will be something that is slightly less reliable than Hangouts, offers no real actual production value over Hangouts, but will be open source. It's just kind of like the same thing with with like when the the guy was like, there was that web version of of Jitsi. Yeah. And yes, it exists. A web version of Jitsi exists. It sucks. It's totally unusable and really gives us nothing that Hangouts didn't give us. But yes, it exists. <laughs> it does exist. So now let's go look at Jangouts. So this is a, a video conferencing software based on WebRTC and the Janus Gateway with a UI inspired by Google Hangouts. It's called Jangouts. It's Janus Hangouts is what it stands for. It's a solution for video conferencing on WebRTC. There you go. Uh, it's a JavaScript application running exclusively client-side. The server simply needs to provide a bunch of static files through the web server. You have to have a Janus gateway set up. Uh, then you configure Jangouts by checking it out from their Git server. And then you install the required things like Node.js and NPM. And uh, then you get up and running. You get the Node.js server okay, started. Okay, so it's definitely more work than Hangouts. So what, what do I get for... Uh... Yeah, your own self-hosted Hangouts. Okay, so, so how it's is a WebRTC. So chat. hold on a second, though. I heard we can already do a WebRTC. I know I don't get and it. And WebRTC doesn't offer me the ability to specify codecs or video resolution or audio codecs or audio uh, setting. I can't do that yet either, to the best of my knowledge. Right? I don't know. Let's go to. Open yeah, top. you're right. No, you're. Well, you okay. might. But see, this is why I'm surprised you're. Cons- but don't you think you're never going to get those options unless it's something open? No, I don't. Well, no, I think they'll eventually get there. But until they do, there's no. Here's the thing. I'm all for using an open source solution. I'd be the first one to say I want to stop using Hangouts if an open source solution exists. But the problem is it's not even that the that the proprietary solution is better. It's that an open source solution doesn't even exist. It, it's not even that. Well, Jitsi. Yeah. I can get Jitsi to work. I am 100% confident of that. And when that works, then uh, – Can I tell you something, though? Please. I don't even I, – I, I have a problem with that even. I don't, I don't, I don't even want it's it. It's not perfect. I don't want it even in the web browser. I don't – that's – that's why I'm not. Well, I'm like, Jitsi oh, isn't. I, I know. Well, Web Jitsi is, and this is like yeah. all these Web RTC things are all in the web browser. I don't want it in that, the web browser. Uh, you know what? On its surface, I agree with you, and for the same reason that I think that uh, for the same reason I, I haul around a laptop with me everywhere because I'm just stuck back in the time where that's what you did. But I think to some degree that's your and I's perception. Mm. Of, no, hear me out. Your and I's perception that a native application is more responsive, is more reliable, is more stable than something that than a plugin that runs inside of a web browser because mm. that's just a hack together solution to accomplish what we should be using a native client for. I I agree that there is I do I do carry a bit of that bias, but and it does make me inclined to think that. However, I'm now going to just say I'm basing this on empirical data. Like you look at all of the video teleconferencing we do in this network to make remote hosts possible, and unquestionably. The least reliable solutions are always the web-based ones. Yeah, but they're also you've also shoehorned a solution that was never meant to be. It, Hangouts is great for you and 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 Angela to sit there and chat. No, Hangouts is meant for group chat. Like, okay, hang- fine, fine. It, it, great for you and Dylan and Angela and a couple other people to sit inside of a Hangout and chat. It is not meant for transmitting broadcast quality content from one location to another. It's just not what it's there for. To be fair, neither is Jitsi, and we're shoehorning that into a solution as well. But I think it, I think the I think that the the I think that the differentiating point is that Hangouts is that it, well, that wasn't designed for it. Not the fact that it's web based. I don't think it make any difference if, if Hangouts was a native application. I think it would it'd be I think better in terms of like broadcast. in terms of like the video codec quality and the audio codec quality, connection quality, mm-hmm. um, and maybe even UI design. Mm-hmm. Maybe UI design. Maybe not. All of that doesn't matter. That's in the browser. The browser mm-hmm. doesn't change any of that. Mm-hmm. What the browser introduces. 
is instability because it is one more huge, gigantic piece of software that has all of the strategy attacks associated with it that Google has with Chrome mm-hmm. or that Mozilla has with Firefox mm-hmm. or that Apple has with Safari or that Microsoft has with IE. There's all of this strategy attacks that's associated with these browsers mm-hmm. that all get tugged and pulled in different ways that the market wants them to go, well, you kick that guy out of the room. Uh, they want us to all go in different ways. They want to they want to build a platform on their web browser. They're building in things like remote desktop and WebGL, all this really great technology mm-hmm. that I don't need in my commu- video communications program. I just need something that makes calls and does video. I don't need like this entire runtime. The browser is feeling like the Java runtime to me. Right. The browser is feeling like this entire like massive virtual environment I have to have now to run these web applications. I don't want that much dependency and that much room for failure and that much room for software bugs to sit between me and my call. Right. It, and there is something to that is that we do have, we do introduce a lot of unneeded overhead to get done what we want to get done. The advantage to that though is that we get access to a wider variety of applications on this common platform, right? Which is yeah, the web browser. Totally. So, but I think that uh, I think that I think that there. I think that whatever we do, if we plan to do this on Linux, I think we have to accept that we're going to have to shoehorn some solution that wasn't really meant for broadcasting, kind of shoehorn it in. But I mm. think that between you and Rakai and I, I think we can figure out how to do that so that most of the people won't notice. When Jitsi worked, it worked great. I know. It's I just, just wanna, I getting wanna, it to work. I want to see more effort behind native apps. Mm-hmm. I really do. But you're right. The you know, there's less incentive for a lot of these people to make stuff natively for Linux. So Absolutely. a good web app is our best next option. Right. And I don't think we shouldn't have web apps. Right. I just wish it wasn't like it feels like I guess maybe this is more to my point. To nuance down what I'm trying to say a little bit is I feel like all of the really interesting development in video conferencing right now is all happening in the web browser. Yeah. And there's really nothing happening on the native app. You got Skype, you got Jitsi, there's you got, you know, telephony apps. Ikigia, things like that, but there's nothing really interesting happening in the native client-side application for video yeah. conferencing. All of the interesting things, all of the development, all of the energy, all the time is being focused on these web-based solutions. And yeah. WebRTC is a huge part of that, and I'm just, here we are, you know, years into WebRTC, and I'm still not super impressed. It does... But it is getting close. And if you just want to hang out with some buddies while you're playing a game, yes. it's like, it could be a real easy replacement for Mumble. Like, right. Look at Noah and, and, uh, yeah. and, and the kid. Uh, yeah. uh, and, Mozilla, and, Firefox, Hello, whatever. Right. Like they, Which is an RTC solution. Yep. Yeah. And it, it works great for that. Like, so it's not that I don't want that to continue, because I absolutely want that to continue. Right. I just also for a want... For reason. I want native apps to continue, too. I don't... I wish... We wouldn't just chase the shiny so much. I wish we could continue to invest in technologies that have some good fundamentals behind them. So, and, you know, uh, Palasso asks a question in the chat room, and we've gotten this in numerous times in the feedback, which is, why don't we use a separate video stream and and an audio stream? And the reason for that is very simple. When you send two different pieces of information from one location to the other... Especially over the internet. They arrive at different times. And not only do they arrive at different times... That time changes. It drifts. Yeah. And so sometimes the audio's ahead and sometimes the video's ahead. Yeah. And to yep. make Rakai sit there, I, you would employ a full-time person eight mm-hmm. hours a day just to do a show where just they have to yeah. sit there and, yeah. and line that up. It's just not practical. Do, we just wouldn't do video. Yeah. It's just not practical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I give you my vote. You you may not uh, you may not always uh, everyone may not always agree with with the uh, attack the same problem the same way. Just like I probably wouldn't solve the, the problem the same problems that you would solve the same way. But I can tell you this: I have a I have a strategy. I have an idea, and once I think I put it down, I think we'll have a reliable Jitsi solution hmm. that will work. You just have to approach that box as if it's it, it just pretend I am production co. And I just sold you a five thousand dollar video conferencing box. Yeah, and you don't know what software is running on it's it. A, it's a magic box. It's yeah, it's a magic yeah. box, and you just well, click on the button, and then it no, works. Th- yeah, that is that makes that makes you make an appliance, and it stays reliable. And you don't use it for other things. Right. Yeah. This is Linux Unplugged, episode one hundred and two for July twentieth, two thousand and fifteen.
Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's getting really hydrated because it's got some beer drinking to do tonight. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hey, buddy. What are you doing in studio? I don't know. This is the show I belong on, though, because <laughs> even if it's unplugged, yeah. I still like Linux. Yeah. yeah, you were on Coda Radio early today. I appreciate that, being a non-developer and all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you did good, man. You did good. Yeah, we got a great show coming up today. We're going to do a quick update on the uh, latest news for Ubuntu Touch in a little bit, and also our friends over at the Ubuntu Mate Project have an update. They're just asking people to test. We'll do a little coverage on that. The Free Software Foundation and the... Uh, Software Conservancy have announced a deal with Canonical, a little change to the contributor agreement. We're going to talk about that today because we've covered that before. AMD has a dirty secret, and I'll tell you it. It'll make your Linux games actually work a lot better. It's very easy. I'll tell you about that if you got an ATI Both card. Them? Yeah, right. Ouch, dude. And then your good buddies, your friends over at Dell, they just took a crap on Linux users Oh, again. no. Right after they released that computer. Um, that's the problem, actually. Oh, no, no, yes. no, it's not. Yes, it that's is, not the actually. Uh, so we're going to talk about that uh, in the uh, second half of the show. And then there's also something that I've been predicting for, like, two prediction episodes, you know, like we do them at the end of the year in Linux yeah. Action Show. Yeah. Two years in a row, I've been predicting something, and we haven't really seen it take off today. So wouldn't that mean it's wrong? Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey. No, it was delayed. Oh, it okay. was all delayed. Right, right. Delayed, <laughs> delayed. All right. I hate you, know. Uh, so we're going to talk about that in the show today and why Linux users will run and scream in fear. Because look at that. They're actually... Don't look at what it is. Don't okay, look at right, what it I'm is. Not, I'm not. I'm just looking at the price. I'm just going to say it was a Kickstarter. They had a yeah. goal of 50000 and they've already raised $530,000. And oh, it's going to replace the Linux desktop. Yeah. Don't look. What? Don't not look. looking. All right, fine. All right. So uh, before we get into that, I, I wanted to start. Uh, Hugo Silvia, who we've met, I think, at one of the conferences before, writes for OpenSource.com. And uh, he did a pretty interesting write-up about uh, different open hardware platforms that are out there right now. And I just wanted to show you this one, Noah, because I think you're going to like this one a lot. Now, there's a whole list. This one, though, from Old Spice. This is an open hardware platform. This is Old Spice Muscle Music. Have you seen this? No. You have not seen this? Okay, good. So uh, can you describe to the people listening what's going on right now? Well, I'm looking at a mostly naked man. He does seem to have something covering his man bits. And now he is flexing his muscles. And drums are going... Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So he's flexing individual muscles, and each muscle is correlates to another instrument. So he's able. Well, those to, are all drums, I would say. By flexing his chest, his gut. And there's his keyboard solo. Okay, all right. Never mind. Not just drums. <laughs> nope. Oh my. Yeah. So this is the advantage of open hardware. You can build things like this. Yeah. Now he's playing flame sax. Those are saxophone sax, saxophones that are blowing fire. <laughs> For you audio listeners, you really do have to watch this. This might be worth sharing even uh, online because this is actually pretty funny. Now they have a a view behind him, too. Would you mind explaining what this has to do with Linux? Open hardware, buddy. Open hardware. So this is over at opensource.com, and uh, this is is just to sync you. This is just to hook you. I'm going to recommend the rest of the people go check out the article. They actually have a whole list of uh, different types of hardware and, and different projects. All kinds of stuff, like neuro knitting, uh, air writing. This this will work if your body isn't made out of stone and then chiseled, right? How about this one? This one we've talked about before. This and they're actually developing this under Linux. We've talked a little bit more, but it's it's about controlling your devices using uh, like uh, uh, um, X-ray and and sonar and stuff like that. Uh So it's like for people that have like a lot of different you know disabilities, or just another way to interact with the computer. And they're developing all of this under Linux, and they have uh, so you don't even have to touch the device in order to move the cursor and things like that. And they're going to try to build them into laptops. This is another example. There's a whole 
whole bunch over opensource.com that uh, that was written up. I just played the Old Spice one because I thought that one was kind of funny. It's amazing. It yeah. was. And if you got to watch the video version, you know why I played it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so just before we went right on air, Popey jumped in the room, and I was just starting to pick his brain. I saw, I think it was you, Popey, that tweeted you're getting a new update coming out to your uh, MX4, and it looks like this is the fifth over-the-air update since the device shipped. Is that right? Absolutely, yep. Tell yeah. me about so, it. Uh, yeah. So um, I've just... Um, pasted the link to the uh, release notes in mm, your wonderful. IRC channel. Thank you, sir. Um, and uh, so this, this update uh, went live. Uh, it was tested um, over the last couple of weeks, and it went live today. Uh, and that will that goes straight out to MX4, Mazio MX4 users, and uh, the BQ phone users ah. in 4.5 NE5. So wait a minute. Hold on. You're telling, me, you're telling me you can push out updates? Hold on now. Now, like, the carriers are going to hold on to these updates, and, like, the BQ is going to get it in, like, a couple of months, right? That's how this works? <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. So that, that's why, I mean, I've mentioned this before on the yeah, show, but yeah. we, we, split, we split the updates up, and the, the bit in the middle that you have to worry about, the, the Ubuntu stack, uh, we update that, and we put those updates out. That's we lovely. do, you know, we do, we do partner with, you know, BQ and Meizu, and, and those guys do a lot of testing as well so you know we don't just push out updates to their customers because they are effectively their customers right um you know we we uh, we get it validated first and it went out today and usually we do phased updates where it um it goes out over a 24-hour period and you, you you may get it straight away or you may get it later on you know or you may get it tomorrow um but this time we did it all in one hit so everybody got the update at the same time hmm. um yeah it's cool. There's no, it is bug really fixes nice. and uh, UI improvements, new icons, uh, new theme. But the big thing is shell rotation, which everything was mostly locked in portrait mode. But now we've ah. made it so you, know, you there's can something use else. it in portrait and landscape. I, and I thought maybe it was just my Nexus 5. And I, I still kind of write it off as just something on my Nexus 5. But I've heard it now from uh, a couple of different folks that have, I think maybe they're using the BQ. I'm not sure. But uh, huge, huge ranges in battery life. Like some battery life is like unbelievably long, and some battery life is unbelievably short. What's going on there? Is that something? <laughs> yeah. So some of it is device specific. So the BQ ones that we worked on early and early on and discovered um, some ways in which we can improve battery life, and they can go for days and days and days on standby, just sat on your desk, yeah. not plugged in. Yeah, these phones are on standby are like three days. On. They're getting battery life of three days right. on these Ubuntu phones. Well, in standby, and then and then you turn it back on, and it's or you you know you wake it up, and it's got fifty percent battery left, or you know some crazy amount of battery. Um, whereas the Meizu, we've got we've got some known problems with it at the moment, and we're like that's a critical bug, high priority critical mm. bug that's being worked on at the moment. Um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure the states of it. I've been on vacation for the last week, so I'm not sure the status of it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know there was talk of you know networking issues, holding, um, oh. you know, chewing up a bit. I, of and I was almost wondering if it was just a display and... sensor. It almost seemed like a display bug too. Like maybe it just wasn't reading. No, the right. it's, there, there's stuff going on in the background. Okay. And it's, okay. I, you know, it's it's not necessary. I don't know the technical details, okay. but it's it's yeah, it's being worked on. Hmm. Yeah. It's cool. cool. I'm waiting for Noah to get one. Yeah, I, here's the thing. I uh, I get more and more convinced every time I every time I see him. When we were at Self, I got a chance to play oh, with yeah? the the Ubuntu phone, and there was there was a couple people there that were using it as their full time device. Yeah. Um, which back at at scale, which mind you, was just six months prior. Yeah. 
they they were showing them. Yeah. They're like, no way would we ever carry these as a, right. a full time device. It's just not there yet. Well, do you remember that's in at, six months? And do you remember at scale, like they had to borrow somebody's phone? Yeah, 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 to to come over and do yeah. the demo. Yeah, and now and now itself, like people are using it as full time phones, just yeah. in that amount of time. Yeah, that yeah, is, it is. It, it has crazy cool development. Uh, you know, and I guess I have two concerns. Is one is I my my one concern is, um, it, will there be a competitive advantage that you'd be able to leverage against things like iOS and Android. Um, but past that, if that if that can be solved and we can get actual decent apps on it, uh, I'm all in for Linux for an actual Linux powered phone. Hmm. You know, let's open this up to the whole Mumbrum. Time appropriate greetings, Mumbrum. Do the rest of you have uh, any thoughts on the future of maybe you? Not the, the whole world. I'm not asking about everybody else. I'm not asking about all those different platform wars. Just you. Is anybody in the room waiting for a device to come to come on sale in their country, or is you almost ready to pull the trigger now? Anybody, speak up if you are, because I'm <clears throat> I'm really curious. To know if anybody else in the mumble room is walking the same fence that Noah is and is willing to maybe try taking a plunge. I'm buying the MX4 as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Man. Who said that? <laughs> That's great. Uh, bikini. <laughs> Very nice, sir. Uh, well, will you come back? Will you let us know your opinions on it and how it goes for you when you do get it? Sure. I'll be on the whole experience now because I have a laptop on desktop running Ubuntu 15.04 as well now. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. The, you still can't use the MX4 in the U.S., right? On on anything greater than 2G or whatever it was? I think, yeah. Like, you can only get, like, I'm, a couple of the bands or something. I'm not sure. In the U.K., so it's not so much of an yeah, issue because right. we're pretty much stuck on 3G and hints of 4G. Yeah. Uh, Razor, you want to try getting one? Now, you're in the U.K. Could you pick one up? Uh, yes, um, but for me, it's just finances at the moment, so I'm keeping an eye on eBay and seeing if I can pick up a Nexus 4 cheap. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The my, is, yeah. My phone is a Nexus 4. I do actually have one, oh. but it's my primary, and it's Android at the moment. Yeah. And it's, it's a bit of wear and tear, so I would like to pick up another one just for a few quid. And then root it and run it and see what it's like. You know, I've had a lot of fun with my Nexus Five, but I know it's not really. You know, I, I don't I don't really use it to judge the quality of the release of the OS because I know it's not a target platform. So I use that on Ting. If something that was that was better than Nexus Four and and compatible with Ting's GSM network, I think I would get a dedicated device if I could get like a maybe a something that worked on. I just I want to have all the bands available because yeah. I don't want to be out there and be like, oh, this thing's so slow and have it affect my opinion. Right of it, right? Yeah, and it would, <clears throat> yeah. it would, that, and that's 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 been my hesitation too. That yeah. I, I'm still waiting for it to get kind of get, uh, I guess, a little more. Uh, it does uh, get more time out. in the oven. Yeah, right. But here's the, the 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 thing that is so crazy to me is how fast things are maturing. How fast things are going from not usable to usable to yeah, uh, actually like totally ready. replaceable. Yeah, I wonder. So Noah, I guess we didn't say this early in the show, but Noah's in studio today because we're going down to Oscon tomorrow. Did we mention that? Are we going to Oscon tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, that's good. We're going to be there Wednesday, and that's why we're recording on a Monday today for the Linux Unplugged show. And I'm I'm going to keep an eye out. I'm going to be seeing like what is you know we always do this anyways, but I'm going to keep an eye out and see if we see what you think. We <laughs> Noah has a red book prediction that we'll see zero devices that are, are not Android or iPhone. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Android? Did you say Android or iPhone? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think they're all going to be Android or iPhone. Is my bet. You think we'll see any Firefox? Well, except for presenters. I think presenters yeah. might have some there. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, I uh, think you'll see. Depressingly, I think you'll see a whole lot of uh, MacBook Airs and MacBook Pros at yeah. Oscon. Yeah, we do. Sadly. Uh, well, that's true for a lot of conferences too. Yeah. Yeah. That is 
but so that's true for I think that's true for the for the conferences that are very business oriented. I think that MacBooks tend to dominate that. I think for the community oriented ones, I think that's very much not the case. Uh, self, for example, the the email that went out to the the uh, the, the presenters were: if you bring some freedom hitting device, bring your own adapters because we won't provide them for yeah. you and we won't help you set them up. I, the irony <laughs> though is the is the ThinkPad really any less freedom hating? Um, I think that Apple has. Remember that whitelist thing you talked about? Yeah, yeah, which apparently has gone away on the X-Series, which I don't. Okay, good. But so Apple has a prescribed prescribed advantage to having people keep Mac OS on the laptop. I agree that. that. Whereas I don't think Lenovo really cares what OS is on the laptop as long as you're buying their hardware. I I do agree that uh, Apple in that regard, and I just meant from a totally like, from from a fundamental standpoint. No. From like a, from a, from an actual like. No, the, no, and that, that I and I've, I don't think I've ever said otherwise. Unless you're buying a System seventy six, I don't or or the Librem, I don't think you can tr- or the uh, the thing the thing Penguin stuff. I don't think you can truly make uh, an argument that that you're you're significantly better one brand over the other. That said, if you have a glowing white apple on the back of your computer, I feel like it's a, even, it's a even if you're yeah right, even if you're running Linux on that, yeah. I feel like you're advertising to everyone yeah. else that you don't that you're not particularly a fan of, of Linux yeah, on the desktop. I heard you. Uh, I heard you speak up for a second. Did you have thoughts? Is is the, is the ThinkPad maybe more freedom respecting than the MacBook, or is it a well, silly metric, or what do you think? It's yeah, I think it's a bit daft because they've all got non-free blobs in them somewhere or other, unless you like go full RMS and get a MIPS right. like yeah. crunk, funky laptop. But the 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 difference is you're you're paying with your your dollars. You know, if you yes. if you're buying an Apple laptop, then you're giving money to Apple. You know, you are funding that system. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go and buy a System seventy six machine, you are funding the the smaller guy who is uh, producing laptops which are more open, more right. free. And well, there's also the aspect that they contribute to the community in regards, and that they maybe right. help further development of that platform. Like so, in, in like in the vendors of like Think Penguin and System Seventy Six, they even if they have a proprietary blobs, and they have you know they're not using some like core boot or something like that. They are still contributing to Linux in a greater capacity. Well, not not only that. I think you're underselling so that. When you buy a ThinkPad, you're yeah. you're buying a vote for a Windows license. I, I think you're underselling that a, a bit. In in that, it's it's more than just that. I mean, there may be proprietary blobs in there, but they're not hindering proprietary blobs. So, for example, mm-hmm. I can get to my BIOS and boot UEFI or mm-hmm. native BIOS boot if I want to. That is actually, as it turns out, pretty hard, difficult to do in some of the newer computers. That is a nice thing to be able to turn on. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and so and so there are, there are a lot of I think I think there's a lot of little things like that, and and I think that ThinkPad gets its reputation, uh, its positive reputation from Linux users in that all the things I want to do on the ThinkPad yeah. I can even if they're even if it's not totally a free computer, mm-hmm. when I can I can I can guarantee you I go on record and say right now you find me any ThinkPad. I'll plug a thumb drive into it, it. I'll boot into it, and it'll yeah. let and it work out the And it's been box. like that for a long time. Right. And I think that's what's built that reputation right. up. Right. Not necessarily that they care about freedom. It's just that you can get Linux to work on it mm-hmm. with almost as if it was right out of the box. And that is exemplified by the fact that Red Hat issues ThinkPads to all of their employees, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think the, 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 the end practical result is you can't deny you're going to have a better bet if you just go like to Best Buy and you have to buy a laptop at Best Buy. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have a better – you're going to have the best chance with a ThinkPad. Right. Um, I don't necessarily you know – buy ThinkPads. Yeah, I don't know if that's enough though for me. Yeah, in a perfect world, it wouldn't be. Because I'm asking about personal use, not, yeah. not like what you recommend to people or businesses, just for my personal use. Yeah, uh, so personal use is you want to go with a computer that you're going to have the least amount of trouble. So then then, then you would go with something like System76, but there are some hard limits of System76 in that 
for instance, screen size. I don't like anything bigger than a 13-inch laptop. Right. And I can't buy a 13-inch <clears throat> laptop from System76. Right. Um, so I, I like uh, – there, there are a lot of people that like aluminum, aluminum chassis. Mm-hmm. To the best of my knowledge, System76 doesn't make a laptop with aluminum chassis. What size screen is your Lemur? 14. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I, I think <clears> – <throat> I guess what I – to come back to sort of bring this all together is – I think there's not a great option either way. And I, I guess what I kind of yep. want to get to is I don't like that we sometimes shame people for the hardware choices. I just rather they run Linux. That's yeah, no, really, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And this is actually what I told the Mozilla girl when we were at, the, when we were at scale. She had, uh, she had a MacBook Air, but she never actually booted. She never even booted macOS on it. She got it. She opened it up. She formatted it, wiped macOS totally off, and put Linux on it. Hmm. That's, to me, that's 98%. Effective. The only yeah. thing is, is when I walked by the Mozilla table for the first two days, I assumed she was running macOS because she had a glowing white app on the back of her laptop. Right. Uh, but that's, like I said, in the grand scheme of things, that's like 2% out of, out of the 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, you know, Whereas when I was at, at Fosdem, there were people from Mozilla giving talks at the Fosdem free open source developer yeah. European meeting, giving talks from their MacBook in OS ten. Yeah, I call people so, out like that. Yeah, and, I, I, and yeah, I did as well. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I asked the question: Do you not think it's hypocritical to tell us to you know use this yeah. uh, freedom loving software like right. Firefox? Yet you're telling us that from that device running that OS, do you not think you should be dog fooding you know your yeah. own stuff? For sure. And yeah, you know, her answer was: I bought this myself. I like this product. So, you know, you you can't argue with that, can you? Well, so the most ridiculous answer I heard was I was at – this is a couple couple years ago. This is probably four or five years ago. There was somebody from the Free Software Foundation running a Mac, and I thought that was particularly funny. And so I went up and said something to him. Here was his answer to me. His answer was, I volunteer and work for the Free Software Foundation because I care about users' freedom to be able to choose whatever they want. So I chose to run a Mac. Really? Really? Here's a sticker. That's not an answer. Like that. That kind of is an answer. That's though. not an answer. Come on. If you if you are part of the one organization that literally like just brutally badgers people for for not running the most perfect yeah. lack of binary bobs, then you're not you're not only going to show it's up running weak. not Linux. He's running Mac OS on proprietary. Come on. Yeah, that's, that's a, a little weak. That's a little weak. That's that was uh, that was the most uh, pathetic answer I think I've ever heard. I don't know. I all right. I see. I was trying to get us away from uh, judging people for the hardware they oh, run, but it's uh, run whatever you want as long as it's Linux. That's kind of where I was going, but you know, I, I will be curious. The only reason we even bring it up is this is just always such an interesting thing we observe before we go to OSCON or yeah. any other convention, any yeah. convention. It is a little bit of practice what you preach, a little bit of dog fooding, like Popey was saying, and yeah. it's a little bit of if you are in free software because of these, it's like with these Firefox developers. Their argument would clearly be, well, I don't develop Linux, I develop Firefox, yeah. and I'm running Firefox on my Mac. Yeah. That's well, the argument. I mean, but, but isn't it come down to, well, don't you believe in the philosophy behind no, Firefox? No. I, well, maybe Firefox, yes, but you know what the reality is? I think a lot of people at OSCON I don't think they do. I don't think they care about the philosophy. I think what they care about is I want to make money. Mm. I, I'm serious. I want to make money, and I think that a large part of making that money is catering to the solutions that people want, and a lot of those solutions, open source has a lot of advantages that you can leverage. So as a business yeah. perspective, yeah. that's what I want to do. I think that's I think as that's, far as they look I think that's it. a huge portion of the people at OSCON, but right. then you do have like open source hardware alleys and stuff well, like that. Well, Brian's yeah. going to be at OSCON. So what? Brian from the, the guy, the, uh, the uh, gentleman we spoke with. At, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean people the like hardware, The laptop guy? You talking, uh, about the, you're talking about the hardware lap, the uh, the wood laptop guy? No, no, no. no. The, the, we 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 had an interview with him at uh, at Self, and he was oh, we were talking oh, yes, about yes. the the, the core. He works for OpenSource.com. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I think uh, I think there was somebody else. But <laughs> but there, but they, the the point is that there are certainly there are people that are there. But I think that the conference is 
primarily towards marketing open source. And to be fair about it, I value that because I make a living off yeah. of selling open source software. And so if I didn't have those conferences – and the reality is when I'm going to make my, my living – Whatever hardware they're using to present on or whatever hardware they're using to develop on, as long as I get a solution that I can sell, I can put food on the table. Now, I might not be particularly happy about how that food got there or the sacrifices mm. had to be made for that to happen, but it, the end result is the same, right? Yeah. Hmm. So. That's, that's deep, man. That's deep. You know what that deserves a little bit? Uh, actually, I feel like that was so inspirational that I just want to give you a little... <laughs> Thanks, man. That was nice. No problem. That was real nice. I'm here for you. Uh, all right. We got to talk about... Uh, <clears throat> Well, actually, Pope, if you're going to stick around, maybe you have some thoughts on this, too. The uh, the change that the Free Software, Canonical, and the Software Conservancy just recently announced. But first, I want to talk about DigitalOcean. Go to DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code DOUnplugged. No, that's one word lowercase, so don't mess that up. I won't. You know, you can go there and apply to your account right now and get a $10 credit, because if you probably forgot to at checkout, so you should go do that. So go to DigitalOcean.com and use our promo code D-O-Unplugged. Now, DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. And, of course, you can get started in less than 55 seconds, and pricing plans start only $5 a month. That'll get you 512 freaking megabytes of RAM, which Linux is a boss at managing. It's really, it's one of these things where you think, geez, 512, I would never put that on my machine. And then you realize, of course, if I'm running it headless, yeah. I'm running services on it, and I take advantage of the Linux kernel's memory management, I can get a hell of a lot of work out of 512 megabytes of RAM. On Sunday, I was using 512 megs to do my x to go Client. Nice. So that was my desktop. Had 512 megs, yeah. and I had Thunderbird, yeah. Telegram, Firefox with a couple of tabs open, yeah. and it was all performing flawlessly. And of course, not to mention the core OS. And a big part of that is, you know, it's because you're running on top of SSD drives. Right. They're all SSDs, so that yeah. gives you a ton of performance. They have really, really good de- uh, I/O. Like their, uh, for example, like their data center in Germany, each hypervisor has 40 gigabit E connections. Mm-hmm. 40 gigabit E right to the hypervisor. I mean, yeah. that's smoking fast. They got data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and like I mentioned, Germany and London. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they have a really simple interface to manage all of it. So this part is sort of the thing that keeps you coming back. Like Every time like Noah and I are like, oh, I need a server to do this. In the past, I just the process of setting up the system, getting the OS loaded, getting the updates installed, getting everything configured, you know, that's a couple-hour job. DigitalOcean really has boiled this down to like 55 seconds. It sounds unbelievable, but it's true. And it's part of it is their super intuitive and awesome control panel. And if you use our promo code DOUnplugged, you're going to try it out two months for free when you get the $5 rig. It's a very simple and intuitive control panel, and then you can replicate the functionality of it with their API. A lot of people in our audience that are smarter than me use it for like really nice things. Like, um, I, I, I don't remember the exact details, but I think what he did is he set up, so you know an app, when you're installing packages, you can actually have it run pre and post scripts. Yeah. And he set up a prescript and a postscript that uses the API, and he didn't even write all the code for it. Like, there's already an example bash script out there. I think maybe it's a Python script. I can't remember. Uh-huh. And it goes out, and it, it uses the DigitalOcean API to create a snapshot, and he can make iterated snapshots of it, so he can iterate back to different versions. It installs all of the packages, and then does a completed snapshot. Mm-hmm. So the guy's got pre and post snapshots that are all taking advantage of the DigitalOcean API, and if anything goes wrong... He just clicks one button, he's right back to where he left off. That's a really nice peace of mind. And, you know, they have one-click deployments for all kinds of great applications. they got CoreOS, they got Fedora, they got Ubuntu, they got Debian. They even have free BSD. Just use the promo code DOUnplugged over at DigitalOcean and try it out. Go create yourself a droplet. Put something cool up there, like an own cloud rig, a Mumble server, Minecraft server, GitLab, Ghost installation. I mean, there's to go. X to go is a great solution. That's what Wimpy right. uses, too. Yeah. Wimpy's up there, uh, you know... Uh, if you really want to get nuts, dude, you should consider doing this, is 
in DigitalOcean, there's an option for private networking, yep. and yeah. the transfer over private networking doesn't count against your terabyte. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things Wimpy has done, and you could do it too, is he has another rig on a private network that acts as a file server. Yeah. So he X to goes into his machine, and then he's got like file servers and all stuff all over private networking, all up on DigitalOcean, all crazy fast speeds, and he's only you know, only one machine's got the public IP, and he's yeah. only paying for transfer on that, and it's one terabyte, so it's like it's going to last forever. Right. But you know what? I have never once been hit with the transfer charge. No, no, never. Ever. No. So uh, I'm just going to continue putting them on the internet until something bad no, happens. It's just, it's a neat idea to like, you From can a have. security perspective. Yeah, yeah like a I drop just, it that is private networking yeah. that is your file server and all this backend stuff all up in the cloud. But I mean, the five dollars like, think, think about self alone, how much data I moved over, yeah, uh, you know, right? for all those footage. Yeah. And even then I didn't hit a, a transfer limit. And that again is on a $5 a month mm-hmm. uh, droplet. I know, it's great. I, just, I, I don't know. Promo code DO Unplugged and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Unplugged program. You guys are busting it up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read this. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer, but I know that everybody was really upset about the contributor agreements uh, around Canonical and, and licensing stuff and com- conflicts with the GPL. So the Free Software Foundation and the Software Freedom Conservancy have both put out statements about a change to Canonical's intellectual property policy that was negotiated over, they say, the last two years. Effectively, Canonical has added what they call a Trump Clause that clarifies the licenses of individual packages that override the canonical policy when there is a conflict. I want to read that again. This Trump clause means that the canonical policy is overridden if it's conflicting with another license, like, say, the GPL. They say, while a Trump clause is a reasonable way to comply with the GPL in a secondary licensing document, the solution is far from ideal. Redistributors of Ubuntu have little choice but to become experts in the analysis of Canonical's policy. Uh, That's their opinion. They must identify on their own every place where the policy contradicts the GPL. If a dispute arises on a subtle issue, Canonical could take legal action, arguing the redistributor's interpretation of the GPL was incorrect. Now, this is all could-be woody would Canonical even do this? They're speculating. Uh, even if the redistributor was correct that the GPL trumped some specific clauses in Canonical's policy, it may be costly to educate the issue, you know, take it to court, while backing the change made. Both the Free Software Foundation and the Software Conservancy recommend further changes to make the situation even more clear. There has been a very, very wide range of reactions to this, from elated to some folks like uh, uh, Jonathan from Kubuntu saying it's not enough. Uh, Benjamin saying it's a good start. It helps developers. There's a lot of different takes on this, uh, but to me, it seems like a really mo- a really smart move because essentially what this allows is if there's ever a conflict between a canonical uh, contributor policy and the GPL, the GPL wins, and it's kind of like this Trump clause. And all at the end of the day, the GPL wins. And that, to me, seems like a pretty big step forward. Uh, Popey, if you have any opinions on this, am I missing any of the details? Is this about? Am I sussing it out quite right from what you know? I, I feel uncomfortable talking about this because I'm not a lawyer and I work for the company. That's and how I we, feel. I'm not a lawyer either. So that's fine. I know. Mate, I, you don't have to say anything the, if you don't want the only to. Thing, the, the only thing I would say is that I I think people think that this is used for more nefarious purposes than it really is. It sounds like it. And and I, I don't think there's any uh, way in which we would use it for the ways in which many people mm. think we would. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's it's difficult because, you know, you can come up with a hundred different hypothetical scenarios where Canonical would be the bad guy. Yet for the last 10 years, arguably, we've been the good guy. We have been contributing. We have a very open um, trademark policy. Mm-hmm. and And it's... 
it's unfortunate that it's taken a lot of backroom conversations between Canonical, SFLC, and FSF that's resulted in one paragraph change at the moment. I I guess there may be more changes in the future, but mm. I'm not party to those discussions, yeah, so sure. I, I just don't know. Yeah, uh, that's kind of where I think a lot of us sit. From the outside, to me, watching this as an, as a, as an observer, it sounds like... Um, a lot of upset about what could happen, what Canonical, Canonical may have the legal authority to do if they were so inclined, had the money, had the time, and wanted the bad PR. They could, in some cases, go after somebody for using a package in their redistribution of Ubuntu or something like that. It's, it's, you know, it's more... From from my perspective, as I you know, I, while I work for Canonical, I'm kind of an outsider to this because I don't take part in any of these legal no, yeah, conversations. Of course, of course. So from my perspective, it seems more that this policy is more to say look if you go to a vendor of whatever type whether that's a hardware vendor like system 76 or a cloud vendor uh providing cloud images if they say to you what we're providing is ubuntu then that should be something that is verifiably ubuntu sure and it's not been monkeyed around with in particular ways that would make it um not Ubuntu, and I mean when I when I say not Ubuntu, I mean it might have nasty proprietary stuff yeah, added, or it may or have changed the configuration it massively, or it might um, have backdoors in it, or it might talk to their yeah some other server that you you wouldn't want, and you would trust us not to do in official Ubuntu images. So you know it it's more if you think about how this might be used, that's more how it would be used is to say well. You know, you're supplying hardware and you're saying it's Ubuntu, but actually, is it? Or right. you're providing yeah. cloud images. That gets and you're in a yeah. that, is Ubuntu. that gets is in it? a weird spot for the brand and for Canonical and yeah, and user expectations. Right. Yeah, uh, and I can see that. Um, Daredevil, you wanted to jump in on a, on the Canonical defense side, real quick. Yeah, just uh, for, honestly, I, I think Bobby then finalized it and expressed what I felt about the situation. Okay. But overall, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do too, and I I kind of come at it from a more pragmatic standpoint. Like I actually I'm really happy to see this much movement, and I'd like to I'd love to see more movement on the issue. Uh, it just seems to be something that is a big hang up for some people. And yeah, I, lawyers I, don't work quickly, do they? <laughs> it's not in their interest, is it? <laughs> you know, I have always felt. On one hand, I've always felt that if if somebody isn't going to use the power for you know uh, you know if somebody isn't if 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 the argument is. Well, the CLA would never be used uh, for anything bad. We would never actually, you know, force that on anyone. Uh, then I would ask, why is that? Power I think necessary? what that is is there's only so many tools in the chest, right? And you have to write in a way where you can accommodate for right. future scenarios. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I, I've always been a little uncomfortable. But on the other hand, here's the other side of that. Canonical is a company, and they exist to make money. They have to pay employees. They have ongoing expenses. And let's face it, their biggest product, Ubuntu, they give away on the website for free. So, you know, there was a post a, a while back that <clears throat> where somebody talked about the, the, the dynamic of open source and how if you're, mm-hmm. pay, if you're a paid developer, then you're, you're given a paycheck and you write mm-hmm. code, and then the company owns that code. Yeah. And they don't give anything back and this, that, and the other. Where it's open source... There has to be a two-way exchange for that to be a profitable relationship, right? And I guess my instant thought when I he- heard that as a business owner is I think, aren't they giving back the, 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 the finalized product of Ubuntu constantly away for free? I mean, I, I, it's, it's not in the, in the, in the free as in beer, not as in free as in freedom sense. I see that there's, there's a very clear distinction there. But I think to some degree what Canonical does is says we need to, we need to be able to protect our ability – 
to to make money. And so we find something we can mm. profit on. Maybe, but only in a broader sense. I think what it is, uh, what Popey was just saying is, think about like what's the main reason uh, that Google hates it when uh, the carriers take Android and they muck it up. Users come in with one expectation. Somebody else yeah. takes that. They change it. They still call it Android, right. but the buttons are in a different place. The things do different things. You know, My phone gives me a, a volume warning about my hearing every time I turn up the volume, but my right. Nexus doesn't. Yeah. There's different changes. And as a user, I want to know that if I go in and I get brand A of phone, I'm going to get the things that brand mm-hmm. A has. It's the same reason why I like to buy Heinz ketchup, because I always know what Heinz ketchup has in it. It always tastes the same. And I want to know as a customer, Heinz ketchup will always taste the same. And I, as the Heinz company, if yeah. somebody else comes along, takes my Heinz bottle, empties it in a new bottle, and adds a bunch of salt and sugar and calls it something else, or still calls it Heinz, that's yeah. even worse. That's much worse, actually, if they still call it Heinz right. than me as a company. i got to do something to protect so, what people expect when they buy Heinz and, ketchup. So, And again, excuse my ignorance if I'm missing this here, but doesn't open source provide for exactly that? If you fork a project, you can't use... The original, pro- I mean, those. Well, that's where that's where these tools and copyright like and trademark come in. Right, but my understanding yep. was that the beef of the the CLA was essentially that people were upset that they could make contributions to Canonical and then they, those wouldn't necessarily be submitted back. They could potentially be relicensed. This, actually, this isn't really related to the CLA. Yeah, this is okay. more the intellectual property policy that is Who on the Ubuntu website it? about using Ubuntu. And so, and so this is more about, yeah. Okay, so the CLA, still in effect. A lot of projects have contributor license agreements. A lot. Uh, like a patch, a right. lot of them have it. Uh, this, so this intellectual property thing, this is more about like, I mean, honestly where I could see this coming up and we could just, let's just use our buddy Wimpy because he's not going to get any trouble. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, a, a distro like Wimpy's Ubuntu Bate's project comes along, gets a hardware vendor, mm-hmm. and they start calling it an Ubuntu machine. But yet it's not an Ubuntu experience. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's Ubuntu would say. So at some point, like, what if, what if a really big company came mm-hmm. along and did that? Mm-hmm. They've got to have the tools possible to, to protect because they could, they could just become irrelevant if they didn't defend that. Mm. So I think that's but what this you, is about. But if you relicense it, doesn't it, doesn't, doesn't it then become the potential for not being able to contribute that back upstream? Mm-hmm. And so then isn't it? So then I guess – and I, I realize we're getting further and further down the rabbit hole of yeah, I what really, if. But, <laughs> but, but, I mean because I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. But yeah. yeah. But it just – I guess, I guess the, the concern I see is I could potentially write code and think I'm contributing to all of these projects. And, and in the end, Canonical could, as the way it's written, just take it and say, no, we own that. Well, you are again no, – no, you're confusing no, the, the, the contributor agreement. With yeah, maybe I am, yeah. But even the CLA doesn't doesn't say that you 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 get to keep the rights over your work. You just grant us the ability to redistribute that work as well. That's okay. the difference. You so you which you does include a relicense by contributing. Like you could us. like isn't it doesn't it does allow to relicense to like Apache? Right? Doesn't it allow for some relicensing too of code? Doesn't mean they can't uh, contribute to their own code still though, right? Potentially, but you still get to keep the rights over your code, so you could still distribute it under the GPL so, or whatever license you had it under. Yeah, so they haven't changed the code then. They or they haven't changed the licensing then, right? Well, they, I mean, the, 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 well, so they forked it and changed it? They would fork it, relicense yeah. it. Now, Canonical right. could continue to develop that version that's under a different license, Yeah, and you would continue to have your version under your license. See, but that, license. Does, that doesn't seem egregious to me because – at the end of the day, there is no there is no right. way for if there's no way that somebody else can take uh, a software and say this is Ubuntu if it's not in fact Ubuntu. And at the same time, you're not hindering the the efforts of people uh, contributing. Right. So it's, I think the the thing that people find egregious, uh, not separate from the whole legal discussion, is that potentially you as a as a manufacturer you could make a phone right, and you could go and get all the pieces that make up Ubuntu. Um, 
the brand, the distro, you know, the, the software, you could go and get all those pieces and put them on a phone and say, hey, look, we've made a phone and it runs what you would normally call Ubuntu. But you couldn't sell that and call it Ubuntu. Right. Until you talk to us, but that's until fair. we have a conversation with you about licensing that, you know, that brand, the trademark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And once you do have that conversation, we're all golden. But you can't until you've done that. And that's, and that's fair. The same with laptops mm-hmm. and cloud and That's why I think it's a little silly that such, I mean, I do totally get where people are coming from, but, uh, I don't really think it's a, as huge of an issue as we made it out to be because the only time it would become a really, really huge issue is if Canonical got to the size of Google, Microsoft, or Apple. But even then, I, I, I guess I'm still seeing where even if they did get to be that big size and even if they did have uh, nefarious ideas, what what could they do? What could they okay, do? Then we're, then we're gonna. I think we got to move on. But okay. I'm just. I'll just give you the the, the worst case, total, not going to ever happen scenario. Uh-huh. Let's say Canonical in, in in 20 years is 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 they buy Apple. They're so big, right? Okay. They they're so rich. And you know, let's let's stick with this. So say Apple buys Cups, this 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 printing system that all Linux boxes use, right? Uh-huh. They get this program called Cups. They take it and they decide to really. Make Make iOS and Macs really integrate super super well together. They're going to fork and relicense Cups, and they're going to continue to develop Cups separately. They're not going to take away Cups yep. from the rest of the community because that remains. That's they'll just languish on GitHub or whatever. Right. But they take Cups and they drew in a whole new direction that adds a whole bunch of really neat printing features. Uh-huh. Now the rest of Cups doesn't get any of that stuff. Right. And so the Cups developers are like, oh man, you took our code and you made it way more awesome, and you never contributed back. That's the total waste. And and but, but the they're thing doing is, that on their own dime. In today's world, in the way the world is set up today, if Canonical did that, a few million people would use that. The rest of the entire industry would still use the open yeah. standard, regularly licensed product that everybody else is using, and it yeah. doesn't really change the technology landscape. Okay. It doesn't really change anything. So well, the only reason why this agreement on the CLA and all this stuff I think really would matter is if Canonical was so huge yeah. that they would be able to deprive the original source project from really any innovation, which is very unlikely to happen. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So you you could you could potentially stifle innovation, but yeah, even then. I but mean, you'd have to be at such a scale mm-hmm. that essentially all of the majority of users in development would move to the other project. Right. And then who's going to want to do that if you're relicensing it in the first place? Yeah. It's just not like it's not very. It just doesn't seem like a super critical major problem. Yeah. It's, I guess the whole concept of open source the, 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 to begin with was the the idea of having a license to begin with was yeah, that you couldn't yeah. change the license, and if the license can be changed at any time, then it kind of defeats the entire purpose of it take a share and redistribute. Now, now that we've got the software license, I just, ugh, li- the lawyering stuff, like, and the licensing stuff, yeah. man, it's just, like, it's yeah, not Yeah, because let's my... be fair, neither of us really, <laughs> no, I, really you know, have a clue. And we don't really care, yeah, either. No, like, no. I know a lot of Linux users do, and I totally respect yeah. that I'm not downplaying it, but yeah. me personally, yeah. I've never been, like... That's not the first reason I jump in. Because we've got so many other more critical problems to deal with long before we ever get to that. I'm glad some people are worried about it, though. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and somebody, and, and that's good. And uh, it's it's good to see some results, too. I think that's also really good. And it took them a couple of years. I bet some people made some, some lawyers made some good money and uh, some donations were well spent. All right. Now, in the meantime, let's spend a little money on ourselves. Let's get a little more in our toolbox, a little more educated, a little better at something that could make us maybe more competitive in the workforce. I'm talking about Linux Academy. Go to Linux Academy right now, won't you? And go get our discount. In fact, if you go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged, you get our 33% discount. Boom, Noah. That's a big discount. That is. That is. Are you a Linux Academy user, Noah? Of course I'm a Linux Academy user. Yeah. I, you know what? I've The first thing that really hit me about Linux Academy when I signed up was how well it worked for the way... I work mm-hmm. like uh, I log in and I was like, oh man, do I really want to take? Do I really want to tap? Ta-? Like this case, it was Ruby. Do I really want to tackle this topic? Mm-hmm. Like to me, the idea of learning Ruby 
is like a commitment. Like I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to. This is a life journey I'm going to take. I'm going to mm-hmm. go learn Ruby. And when I logged into Linux Academy mm-hmm. and I looked at the Ruby course, and I was able to take this huge, ginormous, nebulous topic of learning a new programming language, mm-hmm. and I was able to put five hours and thirty-five minutes on it. I was, holy crap! You mean I can learn Ruby in five hours? And th- that yeah. that is something my brain can not only process, but I know how to fit that into my life. Like right. that is something I can wrap my head around. It's no longer this huge thing that's an un- unaccomplishable task. Right. It is all of a sudden. It's very laid out. It's step by step. Wherever what I'm going to do, how long each section is going to take yeah. me, and it's like because why uh, even start a project if you know that halfway through it or even a tenth of the way through it, you're going you're you're going to run out of time and you're not going to be able to yeah. finish it anyway. No. So why even bother starting? And it's super nice because they have availability selectors. You can go and tell how much time you have available. They have seven plus distros you get to choose from, so all of the courseware will match that, and the servers that spin up during your courseware match that as well. It's really nice. You get to keep track of your progress right as you go and pick up right where you left off when you come back. They have so many great new OpenStack Essential courses, the best AWS courses out there with scenario-based labs, Docker, Vagrant. I mean, the list goes on. I go through this list all the time, and it's like I could just sit here and go off, but you don't need to. Go to Linux Academy and go look at the courses. Go look at the nuggets. They got so many different things up there. The DevOps courseware, I don't ever really talk about that very much. Uh, Learning Vagrant, Docker Deep Dive, Chef DevOps Deployment, Learning Puppet. All this kind of stuff is extremely, extremely handy. And it's not just Linux. It's all the stuff built around Linux. You know, and things like Puppet, too, Chris, are one of those things that it's, it's a, that's a very difficult thing. It's very dry. Yeah. If you're reading a tutorial, yeah. my God, to go through, to go through things like Puppet oh, uh, inside of a written tutorial, uh, it's painful. And, and you know, you can download, like, you can download the guides and stuff and, mm-hmm. and the audio and listen to it, like, in the car and stuff. Well, forget that. They have the videos. They yes. demonstrate how yeah. they're doing it. And, you know, when, when I can hear a person explain, now we're going to do this, and he breaks up that that just monotonous block of text that's mm-hmm. hugely helpful and there are certain things that I've learned on Linux Academy that I would have never been able to get through yeah. if I was going out and searching tutorials and myself on top of that they hold QA sessions like yeah, through Hangouts yeah. and stuff which is really nice so you can ask the instructor questions they have a good community you can follow on which are stacked with JB uh, members if you have any like tough spots or a success story you want to share. And they have team accounts if you are a small business or a group of people that want to work together. And they're adding new labs all of the time. All of the time. It's such a great system because it's built by true Linux and open source enthusiasts who want to help spread the platform. And the way they want to help contribute to Linux and open source is by creating something that helps more people take advantage of it. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. Go get our special 33% discount. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Unplugged program. You guys are the bestest. Now, uh, <laughs> this one, this one, I don't really know if we're going to get a lot of conversation about, but uh, I pretty much buy NVIDIA cards if I'm going to have a dead. It's either Intel or NVIDIA for me right. most of the time. Does somebody else make graphics cards? Well, ATI AMD's got. Do you have any rigs with AMD? No, no. I I, I bought one AMD or one ATI car, whatever it was, eight mining? years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had such a pain in the yeah. the, the, the rear trying yeah. to get the stupid thing to work with. Linux. And even today, even like this is you know that was back in twelve oh four days. Yeah. Even on like fourteen oh four, fourteen ten, I go to install it, and it is such a pain to get drivers working. I know. For ATI. I, I feel like they down. keep teasing us with like the new driver I, models. And I have to fix all here, of this. Here's what you have to do. If, nobody's ever done this. You have to kill X. Go into the go to the command line. Take the dot run file. Modify the permission so you can run it. Run the stupid thing. Then re- it's just a huge yeah. They thing. don't even mark it executable. It, yeah, like they don't yes, even mark right. it executable. So Nvidia, I click on the little <laughs> checkbox that says enable Nvidia drivers yeah. and restart my machine, I and know. then I have Nvidia drivers. Oh, and Intel, man. I don't even have to do that. Anybody in the mumble room want to uh, become an, an AMD ATI video card defender before we move on? I know some of you have success with the open source drivers. So what he means to say is, does anyone want to get kicked out of the mumble room? No. <laughs> No, does he want to have a oh, counter argument? I'm just waiting for the ARM cards also to get real. Ooh. Uh, I mean, the ARM space yeah. is coming along. Yeah. 
Yeah, very and true. I really want to see that to become an also a uh, platform for competition with the desktop market. Yeah, I, that would be very interesting. All right, so here is the pro tip. If you're not getting enough performance out of your AMD card, Linux users, I have something for you. This was discovered, as you would probably not be surprised to learn, I believe over at the Pharonix forums. Surprise, surprise. But, and it's been tested now, AMD Catalyst Linux drivers perform wildly different based on the file name of the game you're playing. What? Yeah. Uh, so in the past years, AMD Catalyst Driver has yielded better performance if naming the executable Doom 3.x86 or Compass, like if you just named it that. But these days, the application profile concept is made more absurd with games that are coming to Linux all the time. So the latest example, you can get a 40%. I'm going to say that again. A 40%. People people do massive hardware upgrades yeah, to get a 40% yeah. improvement, right? Less than that. Yeah, yeah. 40% better performance by renaming Counter-Strike Global Offensive on Linux. If you rename the CSGO underscore Linux binary to HL2 underscore Linux for Half-Life 2 within Steam, the frame rates suddenly increase across the board. This is with the latest Catalyst 15.7 Linux driver, while CSGO has been on Linux for nearly a year now. Is this a thing on other graphics cards, or is this ATI-specific? Well, it's not totally uncommon. You know what it is? It's like it's a cat-and-mouse game, because the video card manufacturers are trying to compensate for crappy de- developers, and developers are trying to compensate for crappy video card manufacturers, and so they're writing like profile-specific settings for games, and the only way they can really figure out how to do it is by looking at the file name. But the question that has is, like, should they even be doing this at all anymore? It's a clown show. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Uh, what do you think, Daredevil? And you think it's uh, you think it's for uh, maybe like benchmarking? No, not just benchmark. I think actually this has potentials agreements between the graphics video card companies and the game companies. Ooh, dirty so play! Some games are successful and not others. And this raises the question: if they shouldn't be probed about this. Yeah, I mean, you've definitely like uh, Samsung. Got, Samsung got busted last year when uh, whenever you would run a benchmarking app on Android, they mm. would detect that and overclock the CPU during the benchmark app's uh, process time. Nice. And then when you close the the app, they declock the CPU. Very nice, dirty, Very nice. dirty, dirty. So maybe, and you know, some some game manufacturers do get a little money from Nvidia to put the made for Nvidia splash screen yeah. that comes up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know though. I think it's more like AMD trying to be too smart and I think it's also a little bit of a hit and miss in 3D applications under Linux over the last few years because these guys have a whole history of, you know, writing drivers for Linux for a long time. They they've been through the bad days where this maybe this was kind of needed. But these situations have been targeted before for market competition laws. I, I pretty much this sounds extremely yeah. illegal. Yeah, you know, because they should could be, be right. focusing on making the driver for the graphics card to work. Yeah. And the program should be doing the calls, not yeah. Yeah. the driver. But, 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 if you're ATI and AMD and you're getting all these reports about this game crashing only on your card and the, manuf- the developer of the game isn't releasing any patches to fix it, don't you feel some yeah. pressure to fix it on your end if you know to how? Just something? To give your card a better name because yeah. you don't want the internet going, oh man, this Half-Life 3 game is so amazing, it finally came out except for on ATI cards. So, like, that's not the story you want. So I guess, let's Here's start what with... You do. Here's what you do. You do an update system that is transparent to the user that it says the NVIDIA is providing a special configuration for this game and, you know, yeah. so it's clear. You go to notify the users instead of trying to manipulate the driver. Exactly. So, uh, I guess let's start with this. I, I guess I'm still back lost at what is the ATI market nowadays because there was a, okay, hear me out. Price, NVIDIA dude. was, no, that's what, the, that's Intel to me. 
to, to me, Intel integrated graphics is what AMD used to be, which is that you can do reasonable amount of games with a little less performance, but it's at a drastically better price point. And if I want a really good graphics, I'm going to go with NVIDIA. So, I mean, I, I suppose that ATI tries to split that down the middle. But it, yeah, exactly. They're kind of they're they're not they're they're more powerful than Intel's by a, lo- mm-hmm. a large margin. They're, I think they're cheaper than Nvidia's. Not and, by and, much. and nothing says. Oh. In, by the way, nothing says Nvidia isn't necessarily doing this either, right? Nvidia yeah. could be, and they do it. They could be doing it. They could be doing it on Windows just as easily as they're doing it on Linux. This is something that driver manufacturers have done for a while. Yeah. It's just that when they tested, they only found ATI doing it. But it could be Nvidia too. We don't know, so we can't totally slam ATI. I agree. I don't know if you're a primary Linux user what the main advantage to an AMD video card is. I'm yeah. not. Although they do have a pretty new, cool open source driver model they're working on, where there's going to be most of it in user space, and it's going to be a lot easier to update, and a lot even, easier to install. Even, you know what? Even the Windows guys. I know they are. They are. They're just sold on on Nvidia. I haven't met an ATI fan guy, a fanboy, in a long time. I, hmm. If, if I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Please, the, uh, I read a while ago uh, that there was some problem between Nvidia and Intel or something uh, on market dominance, and I think ATI is giving is being given a market share naturally because of these instead of uh, of a fine is being applicable as um, per as many laptops as go in an X brand will have to go as with ATI as well or something like that as competition laws at least in Europe side mm. but I'm not 100% sure I need to recheck that but definitely I remember reading something about it's an, this it's so definitely an interesting take on this I hadn't thought of it being a, a conspiracy but that's I like that <laughs> It's fun, nonetheless. Either way, yeah. I just uh, yeah, it's it is right now. It, it doesn't appear to these particular profiles also don't appear to be affa- uh, affecting Windows users. And it comes down to if you're going to do crap like this, and now I'm talking to you, AMD. If you're going to do crap like this, and you're going to have sp- specific application profiles, then it is incumbent upon you to keep that crap updated. Yeah. You keep on top of it. If you're going to limit my games by forty effing percent, yeah. then it is your gerb. Because now they have the opposite of problem. Yeah. Now they're now they're crippling all my games. Mm-hmm. So seriously, if you're going to do this crap, you gotta stay on top of those application profiles. And I and I also give me an option. That's realistic. Give me an option to turn it all off. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I don't think that's realistic. I don't think it's realistic that you can stay on top. I mean, you think right. about what you're saying. They just come out so fast. There's so many exactly. indie games. Steam exactly. Got, yeah, it, it's not practical. There's no hope of them actually. Real. There's no. Not realistic. to mention open source games they've never even heard of. Yeah. There's no realistic expectation to be able to do that. I like your idea. Give me a button to turn it off. Call it uh, uh, game optimization for select games that we know about, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And then Partner give me a optimization if you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I think, is the way they should do it. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. And if you are an ATI user, or I'm sorry, AMD, and you want to defend them, or you got a really good reason, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact, or go Uh-oh. find 102, or in the Linux Action subreddit, or even better, the Mumble Room. Yeah. If you'll get royalties, by the way, guys. On the x86 uh, 64 architecture, yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's a couple their... of their APU models, yeah. which is money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is their source of money, isn't it? I, I can't blame them. They got a good thing going there. They had they had to help develop a good technology. All right, Mr. Noah, let's talk about our next sponsor as we uh, round out to the uh, last minutes of the show, Noah. And what we're going to talk about is that Dell situation that mm-hmm. we mentioned at the top of the show, and then also my prediction that's finally coming true. Oh, finally, so, that's good. Yeah, I know, right? Linux.ting.com. Go there, won't you, friends? Linux.ting.com. And go get yourself a device with no contract, no early termination fee, and you only pay for what you use. No BS here, guys. This is really slick. I love no contracts. I love only paying for what I use because it allows me to have a couple of phones to experiment with. Yeah. You heard me mention earlier I have a Nexus 5. I'm able to keep that and use that. And not feel bad about having like a phone sitting on my on my desk that cost me fifty, sixty dollars, seventy, eighty dollars a month. Yeah, 
It feels really good. You know how many phones I brought with me? Zing phones I brought with me? No. Little Noah has one. I have mine. I have my backup. Sarah has hers. Like we have, I have, we have a little hotspot. I, so it's I like five my, devices. Yeah, we brought like we brought like five out of the nine that we have. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. And the, the MiFi is a great is a great way to go with Ding because if you don't need a ton, you can just like turn it off when you don't need it, and then when you do need it, you just pay for what you use. You know what my backup for my SIP system is? Hmm. The they sell this. Uh, it's a home device that connects to the cellular network. Yeah. And then I have a jack on my on on this Ting box that plugs into the FXO jack of my SIP server. So if the if my SIP line ever goes down, if I lose the internet, I can still make phone calls. That's as awesome. As long as my local network is working, I can make calls. Which just send them out is. Over, Yeah, and it'll just send them out over Ting. Now, do I really care? Since I'm not using any minutes most months, it costs me six bucks to have that, that box connected. That is a great idea. Yeah. So if the, if anyone ever thinks they're going to be clever and like they're going to cut my phone lines or they're going to cut the internet mm-hmm. line, go right ahead. I can still call out. My alarm system can still call out. Yeah. Because it's all going through. That's a slick backup, yeah. dude. Mm-hmm. I wish you said that up here at the studio. So uh, there, this is really nice. Because if you go to linux.ting.com, I want that, Noah. <laughs> you get want t- more backups for your phone? Is that what you're telling no, me? No, what I want you're is... You're not interrupted enough? We've had it. We had a situation. It was a year ago now, but Comcast went out all day. Yeah. And we brought in my... I think I was a Nexus 5 at mm-hmm. the time. With Alan, right? Yeah. And we just, I remember we, this. We, we hotspotted off that and yeah. got the show done. And I was like, gosh. But then, of course, Rekai couldn't do it. It would be nice yeah. to have something that was whole, whole house-wide. Yeah. And I pay six dollars a month to have a backup internet connection Heck that's yeah. genius of course i wasn't streaming on it I'm, I'm making phone calls but oh yeah yeah well you know what actually here though we get i get 20 up 20 down over yeah. ting here in the well, studio no, i'm not saying the speed wouldn't be good enough i just i i'd be a little concerned if you were gonna you know do internet broadcasting all day oh yeah, yeah. Say, you cosmic. know what we did is we just recorded locally and uh, just oh, did yeah. the audio stream and it was flawless oh yeah, yeah just yeah, the audio worked. stream it worked yeah. fine and actually if you think about it with all the money you'd save because what i saved you know two thousand dollars somewhere around there mm-hmm. If you add that up, even if it costs you four or five hundred dollars to have your show on the air, that's to one you, that's time. your livelihood. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. One time, that's no right. big deal. So yeah. that's that's so if now you average you've it saved, over the two years. Yeah. yeah now you save twenty five percent less, and you still save seventy five percent of your yeah. money. Yeah. And actually, this might go away because Ting is awesome. Ting is uh, changing up mobile. They're uh, hopefully going to break up the duopolies over time, but they're not stopping there. And this is kind of exciting. Uh, Ting is rolling out fiber internet too, and uh, they have it now in some locations. And I think a lot of you have heard me talk about this. You're probably wondering what's going on next for Ting's fiber internet service because man what i not just freaking love to have the ting model come to my wired internet connection and to have it be fiber so yeah i'm interested to see what's coming up next and they're going to tell us they have a little video about it nicholas k asks for internet are you more likely to expand outward from charlottesville or step into cities in different parts of the country i think that we're more likely in charlottesville just to focus on the existing city area for the time being you know we think there's so much opportunity inside the city itself Uh, And there's a lot of different places we can go with the network, and that's what we're really focusing on there for the time being in Charlottesville. Uh, At the same time, we want to really expand into new markets in the U.S. So while we're doing that in Charlottesville, you'll see us looking to get into new cities across the U.S. as well. Man, that's going to be crazy. Seattle, 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 yeah, yeah, Seattle. Yeah. Come on, Ting, Seattle, please. Grand Forks, North Dakota. <laughs> I can send you a map so you can figure out where it is. <laughs> go to linux.ting.com. Get our $25 discount. That'll go off your first device if you don't have one. If you have a Ting-compatible device and they have CDMA and GSM, and GSM networks, uh, they'll give you $25 service credit, which paid for more than my first month. So go to uh, linux.ting.com and change up your mobile service and start saving money right now. Tons of great devices unlocked from like $60 feature phones all the way up to the latest and greatest Android devices. They got the OnePlus there, too. Oh, you might want to check out. Yeah. yeah, I've been watching it. Yep, yep, yep. I know. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking about it. All right, so your good buddies, your friends over at Dell, have suspended the XPS 13 Developer Edition. Oh, they are no longer. That's long- not what we're talking about. 
Oh, I'm talking about that. No, I don't know. But the, 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 that wasn't the one. Oh, which computer no. were you talking about? I was about? talking about that, that cheap uh, 340. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is nice. Well, that actually might be on suspend, too. Hold on. Okay. Uh, so uh, those of you know, the XPS 13 developer edition ships with Ubuntu 14.04 from Dell, and uh, they're currently putting it on suspend. Once again, we want to thank our entire community, they say, for your post containing feedback and questions at the Dell Tech Center forum and this blog regarding the Ubuntu-based XPS 13 and the M3800. Th- uh, M3 is that it? The M- will you Dell? No, no, okay. no. No, the M3800, that's the that, Precision Series. Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, so this that cheaper $300 one is not being yeah. stopped. But the uh, the M3800 and the XPS 13 are being suspended. Last month, they posted uh, four knowledge-based articles addressing wireless drivers, keyboard repeats, suspend and resume, and cursor freezes. And uh, they feel that they need to temporarily pull the plug on this laptop while they, de- while they work these issues out and try to resolve the problem. So here's my initial thoughts on that. One is... If there is a problem and they're actively going to work yeah, that's on good, it, right? that's a great thing. Now, personally, I kind of see through that, and I kind of get the impression that you do too, that that's not really what this is. That, well, I own one, and yeah. I don't have those problems. Right. So here's so here's the other side. If Dell decided to pull the plug on that particular model, I would say that that is, is a totally justifiable decision in that a, a lot of times we say that they didn't really commit to it, they didn't really push it, they didn't really – you can't really say that about the XPS. The XPS, because I had the older version of the XPS, mm-hmm. and I thought they completely contributed. To, I mean, they totally yeah. dove in on Linux. I mean, that was a Linux laptop. It was a good Linux laptop. And if the market doesn't respond, if people don't buy those computers, then yeah, Dell's going to pull the plug. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. Where, where I feel like Dell went wrong and why I'm a little upset about it, not all that upset, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I had this impression when I got the XPS too, but, um, and it, 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 it's undeniable. It was first and foremost designed as a Windows laptop. Oh, they really? looked at the specs and yeah. went, well, I think we could also make Linux run on this, but we have to, you know, you had that Broadcom thing. We have to accommodate for this. We have to accommodate for that. Yeah. It was first and foremost built to run Windows 8. Yeah. And then they later retrofitted. I mean, that's why it has a touchscreen, right? I mean, yeah. why, why, why ship a Linux laptop today with a touchscreen, yeah. right? That's, it has all of these things that, like the 4K screen resolution yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't really work very yep. well, except for now it's a lot better since the time I've owned it. But at the beginning of this year... 4K support under Linux was really shitty. And now it's gotten to a point where it's actually usable. And thank God Chrome's high DPI and things like that. But they shipped a product where the applications on it didn't even look right on the display. The touchscreen didn't really have a use. The mouse requires a special driver. The the wireless card requires a special driver. They didn't. I don't feel like if they really wanted to go all in on building, I think with that first Sputnik, that was Mm -hmm. better. Like they, it felt like that was maybe from the original drawing board. This yeah. is going to run Linux. This one felt like, hey, it's been a long time since we updated the Sputnik. This laptop's pretty close that we're building with Windows right. 8. So let's make that our Linux one. So, so, but at the time that you, that they actually released the Linux version, did it? Were those problems still persistent? Because remember when mm-hmm. you okay, all right. I mean, the first, I for the first few weeks, they had some issues, but they, they had some updates that fixed that resolved pretty much everything. Okay. And then Dell released a uh, two BIOS updates. And then after they released those two BIOS updates, they also released it for the original XPS 13 that was shipped uh-huh. with Windows. After between after they did those BIOS updates and the latest Linux kernel, I've never had a problem anymore. Yeah, uh, wireless works fine. Sleep and suspend works fine. Key repeat issues gone. Mouse issues are all gone. All that stuff is cleared up. So there were problems, and they fixed them through BIOS updates and yeah. stuff and kernel updates. But uh, I, I feel like if they had like gone at the, at the approach where everything in this component needs to be Lin- every every component in this machine needs to be Linux compatible, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have ended up where they're at right now. Yeah, and the reason what I the reason I don't like it is because I mean I'm super glad they're testing it, but I just wish I wish if you're going to pull back on it, like 
they're sort of playing to all these stereotypes about Linux on the desktop. Yeah. Oh, you got oh, yeah. weird issues here. We got weird issues here. In fact, they're so bad, we have to stop selling the product. Yeah. And it just puts this message yeah. out there to other OEMs that this is a train yep. wreck that you are going to get. It's a yeah. quagmire you're going to get pulled yeah. into if you try to ship this product. Boy, that's the truth. You know, and the thing is, there, I believe, and I have believed for quite some time, that there is a market for a high-end well-built Linux laptop. Oh, yeah. That's why uh, I tried the XPS 13. You and I... But I actually I, think it's still a pretty great laptop. No, I, I agree. I, but I guess what I'm saying is I think that there's a lot of people that would say, well, Chris, no, you guys are the exception. Most people don't want that. Where Linux fits in is the crappy Celeron with 1366 by 768 and 120 gig SSD and 4 gigs of RAM. And you can or sell a that spinning for 5400 Yeah, right, right. And you can sell that for $300 or $200 at Best yeah. Buy. That's where Linux fits. Yeah. And I don't agree with that. I think that that is one market. There's a range. I think there is yeah. the market for that. Yeah. But I also think there's I think there's a big market for uh, those Chromebook users that you were talking about. Yeah. I think that there is a subset of those, and I think it's a fairly large subset, that would spend three or four times the amount of money on a laptop if they could keep it for the next seven or eight years. Sure. And it would work flawlessly. Yeah. Popey, uh, have you looked at the XPS 13? And what do you think? Is this, uh, is this sort of bad PR in a roundabout way? Oh, he's, he's, oh, he's sorry, lit up. sorry, Bobby. Go ahead. Device. What? I'm sorry. I, had, I cut off sh- the first few words you said. Oh, okay. It's a shame the quality assurance wasn't higher yeah. on the Linux shipping devices because, you know, I know a bunch of people who bought them, both canonical and non-canonical people who bought them and, you know, experienced the same kind of issues as everyone else and were just as frustrated as everyone else. And... Yeah, I agree that probably if it had been a Linux machine from the from the get go, then it, you know, and everything was made to work on Linux on day one, maybe things would be different. But the the problem with that is you have such a small market for you know really relative to the Windows market, mm-hmm. yeah. a very oh, small yeah. market. Oh, yeah. So making a one off specific machine, given the low profit margin that Dell make on every machine anyway, on any machine. Mm-hmm. That's a huge amount of engineering investment in order to make a one-off machine that you know will work well with Linux. What so what generally happens with with OEMs is, f- from our perspective at Canonical, we work with them to build the image. So that that image that went on the the Dell XPS thirteen that was shipping was a collaboration between Dell and Canonical. So we take some of the blame for that not being as, you know, shiny as it could have been as it went out the door. Um, mm. And, you know, we talk to Dell a lot about these kind of issues and there's a lot of feedback that goes back to them. And clearly they've, they've decided that they need to stop selling the thing temporarily just so that they can integrate all these fixes so that the ones that go out the door are the best that they can possibly be. But Popey, I mean, I mean, so I can accept that to a certain extent. But at the re- the reality is, like that, you're shipped with a Broadcom ca- card, right? If you are building a computer to run Linux, that's almost the worst possible card you could put in there. Save the ones that Dell themselves make. Here's, I guess, so sure. I, like name name a wireless card that's fantastic on Intel. On Linux well, the Intel's are Windows. pretty good. Intel's no, are. that's bullshit. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I've there, never there had an Intel card. Intel Popey, I've never ever had an Intel card that didn't work right out of the box with Linux ever. Well, well done you. I have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can you name? Can you give years, me a model? For the last two years, for the last two years, the IWL Wi-Fi driver you've had to blacklist N to even stay on a wireless network. It's ridiculous. So making out like one wireless wireless card is somehow blessed by the gods and is way better than all the <laughs> others is just. 
because okay. they are all I, shit. I, I respectfully disagree with you. I, 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 in, in like, and I don't mean like the one or two or three laptops had I've had over the year. I mean like 50, 60 different computers, all of that Intel cards, and I've never had an issue. So I am well, like, I'm blown nice away. You, but, but you're not, you're not alone. And I, I get people PMing me saying, "Hey, what's that thing that I put in etc modules?" dot d or whatever that disables wireless n on intel cards because i'm at a customer site and i can't get on their wi-fi and in this is a, a common model? problem can, is for, there, can uh, you give uh, me a model that i, I can put into know, my computer I, whatever's in my whatever's in my x220 I think I've, I'm talking I've had to you one on. intel card i've had i have had issues with but for the most part they've been pretty good for me. i have an x220 right and, and i don't have a problem I, with I, my wireless I, card <laughs> i i love i love intel as much as the next guy right but you you can't put them up as hold them up as being the panacea of perfection because there there are issues with their with their wireless drivers and there are issues with their x drivers and mm. to make out like they're somehow way more perfect than ati or nvidia is just missing the point i can't they're, speak they're to, i can't speak to graphics but i'll tell you this if you order 10 intel wi-fi cards off of amazon different models and you order 10 broadcom cards i'll make a bet right now <laughs> that Ten of the the Intel ones will work on Linux right out of the box, and nine out of the ten of the Broadcom ones won't work out of the box. I wonder and five of those you'll never get to work. I wonder if the differences sure. you guys are talking about is Noah's talking about actually turning the card on and, and connecting, like the driver seeing it, and I think yeah. Popey's talking about like reliability of connection to the wireless network. Oh, that might be. Yeah, actually, you know. You okay, that might be. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but here's the thing: I will deal with. I, I, so to that, here would be my answer. My answer would be: I'll take the card that is less reliable than the card that gives me no Wi-Fi whatsoever. Well, I think Wi-Fi is just unreliable. I, now, I wanted to address. The, so the I think Poby made a pretty fair point in that you know uh, Dell doesn't really have the time resources or um, motivations to make that XPS laptop Linux first because really they're selling way you know probably ninety nine percent more Windows laptops than they are going to sell the Linux version of that laptop. So from an entire company orientation standpoint, it makes a lot more sense, a lot more practical sense to put your resources behind the product that's going to go to all of your profit. However. I think you could apply that same logic model and say that's why it's critical that they make this machine their focus. They make it so important they get it right because they're coming into a new market, hat in hand, humble, saying this is our entrance into this space. We want this to be the developer edition. People that are developing software for Linux, this is a machine for you. And if you want to come into a new market and you want to bring a new group of people into your product and you want to show them that when you launch a product for them, you can do it right, it's absolutely important that you get all of the small details right. And I don't, I hate to doing this, but let's be honest. If Apple made this machine, they wouldn't care about that. They would say, if we're going to build a machine for these people, then we have to build it with all of these components. Just like, and of course, for us, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't match, it would have one port, and it would be horrible. We wouldn't like it. That's how they get the MacBook One. But they start at that spot, and they say, what does this group need? What do these people need? And they build the entire machine, even if it's going to be a tiny, tiny fraction of their business, because it's actually more important, right? Because you're introducing yourself to a new set of people, a new set of potential buyers, and you're trying to carve out a new space in the marketplace that potentially in the future, as this market grows, they will come to you as one of the people that builds the best product for that. And I think if you don't come at that with that perspective, you will never break into that market. You always end up with what Dell has. A pretty solid attempt, but the end execution just isn't right. And then what unfortunately happens, even though they work so hard, and you know, there's people in the Dell Linux team that they just work with the best that they've been given. I've talked to them, and they're good people, but the reality is the product ends up not being good enough. And over and over and over again, despite their hard efforts, Dell under-delivers, and then when they have to retract, they do it publicly in a way that is embarrassing to Linux. And that's super unfortunate. Okay, so- so if you have three options, given the state that they're in right now, right, they've got 
one part of the company, the significant part that's making these, manufacturing these laptops designed for Windows 8.1 or 10 or whatever the latest thing is, and a tiny, tiny Sputnik team who are doing their best to get Linux working on these machines and shipping from a global company like Dell and trying to get all the the um, divisions of Dell around the world shipping those things because not every yeah. division sells it. You know, as you've seen, you can find it on dell.co.uk but not on dell.com for example right um and they're doing their absolute best and they get to a situation where where they are now is a laptop that is not good enough to have the dell brand name on it right so what do you do do you completely scrap that project and just forget it or do you carry on shipping those devices knowing that they're crap Mm. and that they shouldn't have the dell name on them or do you stop shipping them stop the line fix it at the factory and make sure that every machine that goes out from that point onwards is right and i think that is the right option yes they could have made different decisions in the past right but they are where they are and where they are right now i think they've made the right decision and i agree with you if that's what actually ends up happening i guess what i'm afraid of is that they're not going to keep shipping them that they're just pulling the plug and that's a polite way of 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 them doing that hmm. and if that's not the i hope to god i'm wrong about that i, I do. think that part almost well, doesn't matter because it just feels like it's been fist hammed so far I don't know. Barton George is the head of the, the Sputnik team, and he tweeted, it's on pause. We're yeah. fixing it. They the say factory. pause. They so say pause. I believe I it's it. a pause. You I do. believe it is. I, that's not what I have issue with. I have issue with, um, with da- I, it's da- the damage is done. That's what I have issue with. Uh, I don't know. I, I, here's the thing. I think that, I think that exactly what Poppy just said. I mean, given, what, given the environmental variables that they're put into, I think they did the best job possible. I, I don't think it's cost effective to build a twelve hundred when you're a company that makes all of your money off of selling Windows laptops. I don't know that it makes a business. Actually, sense. they don't make all their money selling Windows laptops. <sighs> Servers? No. Do you have another guess? Sand storage. It's not a piece of hardware. Oh, Dell doesn't. No, then I have no idea. Now, this was 2014, and this is 2015. I don't know if you knew that, so I don't know if this is still true or not. But I'm actually looking uh, at the financial analysis of Dell and HP right now as we record this show. Uh-huh. And uh, Dell makes primary the bulk of its income from financing. Oh, I guess that's not surprising. But yeah. financing what? Computers yeah. and servers. But that's actually what they make their money from is off the interest rates that people are paying when they finance Dell computers. Yeah, but they have to buy those computers to begin with. Mm-hmm. So the argument just, is just something to kind of think about when you think about it. Like what they actually make money from is being a bank. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of funny. Yeah, it's, uh, it's <laughs> but they have to make computers compelling enough for people yeah. to want to finance, to finance them. them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but given those given those variables, then I, I agree. I, I'm inclined to agree with Popey that the, the, the best possible solution is – to halt production, fix the problems, and then and then pick it back up. That's a responsible thing to do. In given the available options, yes. Right. And and I think and I it's hard for me to kind of convey this perspective. But the perspective that I'm worried about isn't what you think or I think or yeah. consumers think. I'm thinking Lenovo and yeah, HP yeah. are watching this and they're thinking, "Boy, look at that shit show." I'm not going to do that. Yeah, maybe. That's what I'm worried about. Maybe. But then you look at uh, you look at you look at the way that that Samsung has rolled out Chromebooks and really other than the the, the that just validates that statement uh, in order for Linux to be successful it has to be wrapped up in Chrome it has to be Chrome OS if you try to ship actual Linux you get this you get a, you get a product you have to pull off the market yeah but here's the thing Samsung and maybe this is just because you really don't think that Lenovo sees that though i mean Samsung built a computer specifically to run Chrome OS you know what I mean? And, and so did Acer and so did HP and whoever else. I think Chromebooks. they very closely watch their competitors and see how their different products do in the marketplace. Yeah, but... Well, I, I think HP's shipped Chrome first, 
but they subsequently shipped I, them with Windows, like cut down Windows and Linux as well. I guess my point was that I don't think that Lenovo is going to look over and say, oh, that laptop failed. And I don't think that the people at, at Lenovo are that dumb. They won't be able to figure it out. That, Maybe. Oh, you know, I, I, I don't. I think really? they do watch their competitors and they see what park products do really well and then they execute based on what other markets are doing. Well, right. So Lenovo probably won't take an existing Windows product and put Linux on it and try and sell it. Or maybe they'll spend a little more time on Q&A. I mean, because yeah, really, yeah, Dell could have yeah. avoided a lot of this with some proper QA. I mean, not yeah. that they didn't. I know they QA'd it. Yeah. But they could have they could have avoided a lot more. Yeah, that's true. Harm. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're, uh, they are potentially poisoning the well for their own future products, too. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. No, I think I think there's a market. But don't forget, this is this is just one of the Sputniks. Like this is like I don't know what the third, fourth generation of the Sputniks, and this is the only one that's had these kind of yeah, significant true. issues. There's, yeah, that's been true. The first multiple Sputnik devices that have been shipped to many people. I have no idea what the sales numbers are, but it's quite a lot of people. I would love them to tell um, us. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's commercial data. Yeah, I, I guess they probably won't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they probably will never will. But yeah. So here's what. My prediction coming true. I think this is, you know, you got Chromebooks. Now, I'm surprised we haven't really seen this, but this is an Android PC that is actually doing pretty well on Kickstarter. It's got 8,161 backers. It's tiny. Uh, it's got, uh, it's made $533,000 with 39 days. I'm just going to play a little bit of it. We'll just play a little bit of it, just because it's sort of a good capper to this conversation where we keep going back between Chrome OS and getting the Linux right. reflects the world we live in. Ideologies change with the times. In the past few decades, a thought evolution has happened. We've gone from expecting excessively more to embracing sustainably less. At Giant Technology, we're innovating the next evolutionary leap in personal computing that embodies less can be more. Less cost, more value. Less design, more functionality. Less wasteful, more sustainable. Less waiting, more doing. Less power, more performance. Less windows, more apps. Introducing the Remix Mini. The world's first true Android PC. Finally, Less can be more. Starting at $20. I fundamentally disagree with everything that video just said. (laughs) Also, could it get any more pretentious? I know, right? (laughs) Like, okay, so let's start with this. I, I cannot believe that somebody would make a video... To talk about how you should expect your computer to do less. Oh, yeah, you can. No, okay, that's where I'm it, starting there. Okay, and all, I, right, I, I, all right, all right, go ahead, keep going, more. keep going. And you know what? For any of the advantages that that stupid piece of yeah, junk offers, yeah, yeah. my Linux box has done for the last 20 years. So why do I care again? So because uh, uh, finally less is more, That's it's what they're selling is the subtext. The what? subtext is it's simplified. It's easier. It's... Because if you tell an end user, end user, look at computers is complicated. Too much going on. There's too much. Like remember, I was telling you about that user is like, why do I keep getting notifications about updates? I don't care about updates to yeah. these apps I never use. Why do I keep right. getting some? To them, it's too much. Yeah. So if you tell them it's simple, 
you can do more with less. The subtext is, this is a computer that's just going to do the bare what you need it to do. Here's, that's the subtext. Here's what I hear. What I hear yeah. is, here's a computer that you can spend less money on, and it'll do less because we don't we're not, because because the, the, the application environment is, is just so spread up, and no, we but, can't decide if we're going to write for Windows, knows Android, knows what Windows no, is dude, happening. Android has apps, man. You can get yeah. apps now. Yeah, Android has apps. Some of them are crappy apps, and the ones that, and the, even the ones that people use in business are so bad, and we yeah. just shoehorn them into fit. Yeah, that's and, true. You know, I watched a guy. Yeah. Chris, I watched a guy. This is like three weeks ago, right? And he's going to do his go-to meeting. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So okay. So he has his he has a stupid Android tablet. Yeah. And he sets it up, and the thing falls over. Of course. Okay. So then he picks it back up yeah. and like sets, and then he's trying to edit. And he's they're tapping to, it. He's tapping right, it. They're, they're going to edit it this over. Excel sheet, right? So he's trying to he's trying to 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 to, to maximize the thing, and he's in the middle he's of in explaining there this. And zoom while he's yes, talking. Yes. Yeah. While he's giving this business presentation on selling a five hundred thousand dollar hotel, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You look like a dog. Get a desktop. <laughs> a, Get laptop. a laptop. <laughs> like, why are you doing this on your tablet? And then he gets done, and he, this is what he says to me. He goes. Man, isn't technology amazing? I can do all that from my t- tablet. And I'm like, you're kidding me right yeah, now. Yeah. That was horrible. That was horrible. That was a mess. That was a disaster. How can you say, I can't believe we can do yeah. that right now? I did to brag about it afterwards. Yeah, that's so, classic. So that's what this commercial embodies to me, is this idea that, that we're okay just not caring about our computers. You know mm-hmm. what I was thinking about the other day on the, way over, uh, on, the, on, on the flight over here? The way that ham radio works, in order to actually use the ham radio, you can go buy one. Yeah, you have, but, to, get, you have to get licensed yep. before you can do that, right? Yeah. Now imagine this. What happens? What would happen if we required a license before you could purchase a personal computer? You had to understand the basics of memory management, <laughs> of hard drives, of how the file system works. Nobody would use them, dude. You'd have as no, many, you, no, just like as many ha- you'd have as many computers right. as you have hands. That's right. You would have very few people yeah. that, that used it, but the people that used it wouldn't be so stupid. Oh. Like, you know, like the, you would have people, you would users would understand the technology they're working with. I'm not actually advocating for that. It's, it's kind of an interesting to thing yeah. to think about. But the reality is, is that user this just embodies how silly users have become. Well, Daredevil, don't you think it's a matter of just the systems are honestly too complex for the jobs they want to get done? Uh, no. Uh, look, Android, people have the perspective that it just works. Yeah, you, you it's easy. You used to get a phone that it works. Sure, it's uh, easy. Th- but it's not, it just, seven it's not just the easy part. It's the not set up part. It's no virus issues. It's the update. It's the one button press. Mm-hmm. When it happens, mm-hmm. it's like installing an app is an app store. All yeah, all your update, all your apps are updated. It's a much easier, it's a much easier paradigm this. for users. That has been sitting in my pocket. It's burning yeah. up. Why is that so hot? Your phone's on fire, dude. My phone's on fire. So what do you mean it just works? All I, I pulled it right out of my pocket. I have not touched that phone in the last 40 minutes. And now you just charge it and your battery's down to 30%. That's right. 30% down from 100 when we started the show. Yeah. Not, not 60 And <laughs> what, what the heck is this thing doing? So don't tell uh, me Android just works. It, come no. on. I mean, you're forgetting the, all the sensors and all the NSA probing the data. Right, come right, on. You have to right. discount that information. Oh. What I love about it, and I don't know if it has to be a simple computer, I love the idea of a cheap computer that's functional, that gets people online. Like, because that yeah. opens the door up to a whole lot of people, it opens up to kids, schools, libraries, uh, third world. How, how much is that thing? What, the, the uh, yeah. well, they say they'll eventually be able to sell it for 20. Yeah. Yeah. So, assuming that's right, how is that, how is that more advantageous than the Raspberry Pi? Because it's all set up. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You get it out of a box. I don't know. If th- this isn't the solution. Yeah. I think what we're seeing here is there's something here. This isn't it. Raspberry Pi isn't it because it's too manual. But there's something in this area that I think some, and it's and in order to get the price down here, it's going to have to be Linux based. I think. Yeah. For the world's first true Android PC, I don't actually think that's true either. Yeah, Nate points out you could make it a twenty dollars Plex client. 
you know? Yeah, I mean, so I tried using uh, both Raspberry Pis. I've tried using um, Chromeboxes you and flashing different, different. Yeah, and so here's what I found. Eventually, what I found was the 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 drawbacks to doing that. It just makes more sense to buy the Celeron Nook for 140 dollars. And I'll tell you what, this is not like Popey's point on the term. This is not the first Android PC, and I think the reason is they're not taking off. Yeah. I joke about me predicting this because I actually thought somebody would get it. I thought somebody could nail it. It seemed like you have a great base OS, you got some great apps, you just tweak it a little bit. Everybody likes to put a custom UI on there. Yeah. <laughs> With the yeah. <laughs> but here, here's the other part of that too is that it's true. if I take a small ARM computer that's going to run Android, why would I bother putting that into a tower? I'll just build that into an all-in-one. And there are Android all-in-ones. Mm. And you know, really, if you think about it, the desktop, the 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 mobile operating system that just basically gets you online that is built into a, a desktop or a tower that is Chrome OS. I mean, that, that is the market mm-hmm. that Chrome OS is, right? And it's got the brand. Yeah. Yep. There you go. And of course, that does. I think that means there may be room for convergence one day, though. Could be. <laughs> I think because if you don't want something like this, but you want also something mobile, I, uh, let's just say we'll save that debate for a yeah, future episode. Yeah, but yeah. I you think can, you can make that prediction. Maybe in three years, that won't come true. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks. All right. So that's going to wrap it up. We are going to be at OSCON if you're listening to this and you're going to be in the Portland area, meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. For more information, we're going to uh, be there Wednesday, July 22nd, hanging out. And we'd love to see you guys there. So uh, meetup.com slash Jupiter Broadcasting. If you have any feedback or comments for this episode, you can go to linuxactionshow.reddit.com or the contact form if you want to email us or just join us in the Bumble Room. We usually do the show on Tuesdays. Uh, but this week, this week, to make room for OSCON, we recorded on a Monday right after Coda Radio. It was a back-to-back edition. So I was really, I'm really thankful that you guys in the Bumble Room were able to show up on the uh, Monday. I really appreciate it. Good turnout. Noah, thanks for coming in studio hey, today. Hey, anytime. And, uh, you know, have a great time at OSCON. Maybe I'll see you there. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll bump into each other. All right, cool. All right, also, you can follow Noah. He's on Twitter. Noah, give him your Twitter handle. My Twitter handle is at Colonel Linux. Yep, yep, yep. This at guy over here is at Chris Alias. That's fact. You know what? You changed it. But it's and now you confused everyone. the same name. Though, here, let's see what you're up to now. It's like not that much. This don't, it makes me feel bad. Okay. I don't know. It's like a thousand. I don't know. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode. See you next Tuesday. Right, did you look? What is it? Is it a thousand? Twelve hundred. Twelve hundred. All right, not yeah. bad. Not bad. Not bad. That's not bad since it's a brand new account, really. Yeah. No, I think so. Especially because I've had the same Twitter account for uh, seven years, and uh, <laughs> I'm up to eight hundred and thirty-five. <laughs> 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 All right, Let's pick our title for this week's episode of the Unplugged Show. I was I was watching those little airport. You know, they have the little videos that play over and over again that want to make you kill yourself because mm-hmm. you hear them so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's one about Twitter, and it was saying the way to get more Twitter followers is just to tweet. And I'm like, wow. What a revolutionary concept. I actually, never thought of that. It is true. And reply, and, and yeah. it really does, because like, I don't tweet very much. I just I do not. like. I ha- well, when I have a free moment, my first thought is, ooh, let's update Twitter. Yeah. Actually, so here's, here's been my thought on Twitter. Twitter's uh, concept has always been, what are you doing right now? Here's my answer. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, most people, let's yeah. face it, I don't care what you're doing right now. All right, jbtitles.com. A lot to pick from. A lot to pick from. GPU hacks, uh, the canonical Dell and AMD games. Uh, that's not bad. Uh, uh, GPL gets trumped. That's not too, or CDL gets trumped. Uh, Noah's home ting shop. <laughs> uh, do wop, do wop, Any post show topics uh, for the mumble room you guys want to talk about before we get out of here for the day? We didn't have a mumble unplug, yeah, but sure if you guys what happened to a tight show? Not sure if you guys saw the 
the biofuel um, new thing that they discovered, like they can uh, uh, use some energy from your sweat and Whoa. also form synthetic wood of your organs. Boy, I could power I the shit out of some stuff nice. in the studio right now. It is hot in here. It's getting warm, right? Hey, maybe you could power an air conditioner with <laughs> right. your sweat. That'd be amazing. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Is well, you can at least charge your, your watch. Yeah, right? Yeah. Charging. Yeah. So and what they, do you guys they, think? Do uh, you think we'll have sweat-powered watches one day? No? Okay. I think, I think you're, you're going to have – I think there's a lot more longevity in either. Last. I think there's I more longevity. sweat will be Good. Go ahead. I think there's going to be a lot more long. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Happening. Get some I love it. I think there's going to be a lot more longevity in either solar powered uh, watches or uh, I forget the name, but the uh, the thing that where they the, would it remove and yeah, it charges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right, yeah. right. There's a name for that though. Yeah, kinetic. Yeah, 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 kinetic. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you guys think? Canonical Dell and AMD games. You like that title? Love it. It's not too bad, really. The best one ever. Uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. On the on the whole Dell XPS thing, though, I got the 2015 developer edition, and one of the things I want to highlight is currently in the Linux world, there aren't too many laptops, high-end laptops. Well, not even that. It's the it's the appliance. It's the oh, laptop you just mean like just a works. yeah, like I like I was able to get a, a a tiny laptop with an i7 processor, an SSD drive, an Intel Iris graphics, and a 4K screen. Like, there's not a lot of Linux laptops that check all those boxes. Yeah, and that. That have the support from someone like Canonical and Dell behind it yep. that are managing the update process hey, man. for you, and you just use it. Hey man, that's why I bought it, dude. That was like right up like the, yeah, yeah. And so that's why I and and but I don't I I I run Arch, not probably not too surprising, and I literally don't have any of the problems yeah. that they were talking about I, in that article. I ran Arch online for a period of time. Yeah, I did. I switched back. Yeah, yep, to yep. Ubuntu. Now I had to do that too until uh, a kernel update, and I got the latest version of the BIOS. And then after that, I went back to Arch, and I've had no problems. <clears throat> Ooh, try that. Yeah, yeah, it worked a lot better for me. That hey, was Chris, the, yeah. When do you arrive at Oscon? Uh, we'll be down there Wednesday morning. We're going to be in the area Tuesday evening. Are you going to be doing any interviews or anything? Oh yes, oh yes. You have somebody we should talk to. Yes. Oh, Michaels. tell us. Uh, you, yeah, David Cannell. Hey, he, Poppy. Uh, yeah. Uh, can you uh, you have me on Telegram, right? I unfortunately do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you loser. When you have a chance, if you can send me the contact info, I, I actually we have a I have a I have a tentative schedule. I think we're going to be doing the interviews on Wednesday. Yeah. And and I have a tentative tentative schedule of people that have asked to speak with us and tentative times. If you could get me his contact information, totally, Adam. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, then we'll set something up and I'll we'll make that. it happen. Awesome. Appreciate that.